The New York Mets are reportedly finalists to sign Eric Fetty, and they will not be adding a third baseman through free agency. We'll be discussing all the latest at the winter meetings on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. You'll also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. The New York Mets are the finalists to land a starting pitcher, but it's Eric Fetty, and I'll talk about that in the first segment. I actually believe that's a pretty interesting uh, pitcher the Mets could add. So we'll get into all those details. Then in the second segment, break down what David Stern said to the media today. A lot of illuminating insights on how the front office is operating this offseason. So we'll get through all those different observations I had. And then in the final segment, we'll touch on the biggest one, which was that David Stearns flat out said the Mets are going to stay internal at their base. Brett Beatty, Ron Mauricio, Mark Vientos, one of those guys will ultimately end up the starter this year at least that's what the plan is i'll go through all of that before we get to any of it though i'm your host ryan ficklestein if you want to find any of my work follow me on x at ficklestein ryan you can also find some of my writing at justbaseball.com where i work as the managing editor day one of the winter meetings is in the books and there really wasn't anything that happened other than a report late on monday night that the new york mets were a finalist to sign a starting pitcher that starting pitcher, Eric Fetty. Not really the most exciting news. And if you're unaware of who Eric Fetty is, what might ring a bell is to remember that he was a pitcher for the Washington Nationals for parts of six seasons where he had an ERA over five. And against the Mets, he had an ERA of 6-5-1. So wasn't really a successful big leaguer, and that's why he spent this past season in the KBO. But he was amazing in the KBO, and that is why he is getting MLB offers, multi-year MLB offers, apparently. And as you're listening to this, he might have just signed a two-year, $10 million deal with the Mets or the White Sox. That's what the finalists apparently are, and that's the contract range. And we'll talk about that contract in a minute. I had to do my research, right? I, I knew that Eric Fetty was carving up batters in the KBO. Didn't think much of it. Now that there's a connection to the Mets, I was like, all right, got to do some digging. And there was a great article in the Washington Post back in September by Jesse Daughtry. And, you know, he obviously had access to Fetty. There's quotes from Fetty in the article. And it discusses how he turned his career around. And essentially, he had to sell his house in Las Vegas last offseason to move over to Scottsdale, Arizona. He had been, you know, born and raised in Vegas, and he had a house there, lived there for all nine years of his professional career, changed everything up, went to Scottsdale, Arizona to work at push performance, one of these pitching labs. And what they did for him is, you know, multifaceted. One, obviously they worked on his pitch mix and all that good stuff. But first they had to fix his shoulder and push performance partners with a company called next era, which is a physical therapy facility that mended Fetty's shoulder. They got him lifting weights on a new program. They had him throwing weighted balls. 
They remade that shoulder. They tweaked his mechanics. They uh, changed the grip on his changeup, the wrist position. They uh, added a sweeper to his arsenal to fix his breaking ball. And I, I'm assuming replace his curveball that didn't have much success in the big leagues. And without any guaranteed major league offers, he took a deal to go to the KBO and he became a star. He was amazing in that league. He pitched to a 2.00 ERA, made 30 starts, went 20 and six, went 180 and a third innings pitched, struck out 209 batters, only walked 35 in a league where they're trying to, you know, draw walks, see a lot of pitches in at bats. Didn't matter for Fetty. He was amazing. His strikeout per nine from the previous year in 2022, obviously against major league competition, went from 6.7 that year all the way up to 10.4 in 2023. His walk rate went from 4.1 to 1.7. Now, obviously, a lot of that is you know the difference in competition, but you're also looking at a guy that didn't just go to the KBO and find some success. He was the best pitcher and the best player in that league. He won their Triple Crown. He won their Cy Young. He won their MVP. He's the first foreign pitcher to win 20 games and strike out over 200 batters in a season in the KBO. So a guy that really was remarkable out there, former first round pick stateside. And at one point was a consensus top 100 pick. So it's not like this guy didn't have any talent and he's still only 30 years old, turns 31 in February. Not a lot of fans are going to get excited about Eric Fetty, but at two years, $10 million, if that's ultimately what the price tag comes in at a very worthy flyer. You know, $5 million, if that's a luxury tax hit, that's not going to prevent the Mets from doing anything in 2025. And if this guy is awesome in 2024, it could be an absolute steal of a contract. If nothing else, you're getting another guy that goes into that mix of Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese, Jose Budo, but a guy that would slot in above all of them. And with a refined pitch mix in a better you know, physical shape than he ever was with the Nationals down the stretch of his career, there is a chance that this guy could be good. Now, a good comparison to Fetty right now is Chris Flexen, another guy who Mets fans should know. He was a prospect who came up in the Mets organization, didn't find success, goes to the KBO, pitches to a 3.01 ERA, and then is able to sign an MLB deal with the Seattle Mariners, and he was really good for the first couple years there at a 3.61 ERA and nearly 180 innings pitch, again pitched to a sub-4 ERA in 2022, the strikeouts did plummet from what he did in the KBO, but he was an effective starting pitcher until this past season where he was awful, ended up back with the Mets briefly as they took on his salary from the Mariners to acquire reliever Trevor Gott, and the Mets just, just cut him after that. But the point is, there was a previous pitcher that went on a similar path that found success for a couple of years, and Eric Fetty was way better than even Flexen was in the KBO. So now I think this would be a worthwhile signing. I don't think that Eric Fetty takes you out of the market for Jordan Montgomery or Yoshinobu Yamamoto or Blake Snell, because apparently we saw the Mets have some rumored interest there today. Instead, this is about building out a rotation and building out a deep rotation that could maybe go to a six-man rotation, assuming you maybe get Yamamoto or Shota Imanaka and you have two Japanese pitchers who would probably be better served in a six-man rotation, not to mention Luis Severino would probably be better served with his injury history in a six-man rotation. So 
if Fetty is the sixth man in your six-man rotation and Severino is the fifth and the Mets are able to fill out, you know, a number two starter or a number one starter with Senga while getting potentially a three or a four to, you know, be in that middle of the rotation with Quintana, they're going to feel great about this rotation. So I would not be upset about these rumors. I'd be excited if the Mets ultimately sign him on Tuesday because I don't think that this is saying, oh, that's it for the rotation. I think it would just be a sign of more things to come. But what are those more things to come? David Stearns met with the media, gave a lot of really interesting tidbits about what they're thinking right now in that front office. So I want to share some of them in just a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports for an escape from the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing yourself for tough situations? Whether you're on extended travel or you're bracing for a major weather event, or if you're just limited by a supply shortage, you have to be covered when it comes to your health. And that's why Jace Medical is so important because thanks to them, you can now have access to life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications that can be ordered in a one-year supply. That even includes ED generics like Cialis or Viagra. Jace Medical has also the Jace case, which provides you with five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, amongst others. This stuff could happen to any of us. You want to make sure you're prepared. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by board-certified physicians, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. If you want to stay plugged into all of the latest with the New York Mets during the winter meetings, make sure you become one of our Locked On Mets insiders. This is our texting service where you can get updates from me anytime a story breaks on the Mets. I will give you my two cents on that. You can also ask me questions. We can go back and forth. It's been a lot of fun getting to know some of the everyday listeners. So I appreciate all of you who subscribe. You can find a link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. Now, David Stearns, of course, met with the media as most presidents of baseball operations or GMs do during the winter meetings. And he said a lot of stuff. And before we get to some of the notes that I have here from uh, Stearns' comments, I just got to say this dude is so likable right now. Uh, he's confident. You can tell that he you know, is not phased by addressing any of these questions, not phased by this role. And then he's having a blast in the role. You know, somebody asked him, does your role feel different than uh, that you're operating with more payroll flexibility? And he just flatly said, yeah. And then the media laughed and he's laughing. And then he's talking about how it's a completely different situation than the other jobs he's held in the past. You know, having so many avenues to be able to address his roster, add to this team. And you know, it's like a kid in a candy store. I mean, this is a lifelong Mets fan who's running his favorite team with unlimited resources. It, it just can't get any better. And so I, I love seeing him uh, whenever he gets in front of the media. I, I think you just learn a lot. And he answers these questions pretty bluntly. Like he doesn't, you know, he'll he'll talk around an issue on, on some things. Like for one, he said, we're trying to add to our run prevention, which can mean adding to your defense, adding to your pitching. 
It doesn't tell you a lot, but it does answer some things. He was asked about the DH, and he said he's not going to close the door on adding a full-time DH. It just depends on what else they do to their roster. So, again, not you know concrete answers, but he is addressing some things. He was asked about Luis Severino, which is obviously the biggest sign the Mets have had this offseason. He talked about how he's dealt with injuries over the last couple of years. They believe he's on the back end of those injuries and how they're hoping to keep him healthy and effective this upcoming season. Carlos Mendoza, on a side note, also talked about Severino today when he met with the media. Mendoza, of course, being the Mets' new manager, who spent you know a large portion of the last decade in the Yankees organization. He talked about you know being in the Dominican Republic when Severino made his debut and how it was a whole party at the complex as they were just watching him uh, you know make his Yankees debut and then you know, saw him develop into being an All Star and you know hopes to you know, see him get back to being that type of a pitcher again. Uh, this upcoming season. So all of that, um, exciting to hear the the just optimism that both of these guys have for Severino, who could be a big piece of the Mets this upcoming season. Uh, beyond that, he was asked about how many starting pitchers the Mets expect to add. And again, this shows sort of how coy David Stearns could be because he said, well, you know, coming into the offseason, we said we were going to add multiple starting pitchers. We've added one, so I'd say we're going to add at least one more. I wouldn't mind adding more than that, but we'll at least add one. That really keeps his options open. That can put him in a situation where if the Mets strike out completely and they only add Eric Fetty, say, which would be a disaster situation for the Mets if they came out of this offseason shooting for the stars, that is Yoshinobu Yamamoto or even Blake Snell, who reportedly the Mets have some interest in. At least that was discussed today, I believe, by John Heyman. Regardless, if they ended up with Fetty and Severino after going after the top of the market, it would be a massive disappointment. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to add one of these guys and, you know, they might add Fetty and Jordan Montgomery or Fetty, Jordan Montgomery and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Things are, are pretty flexible right now. They're open a lot has to develop in these markets and we'll just see where the Mets ultimately shake out with all of it. But, they're going to be building out a six-man rotation in my eyes, honestly. I think that's ultimately where they're trying to go. The potential of adding Yamamoto, but even beyond that with Senga, Severino, that's where, again, Fetty makes a lot of sense, but you know, we'll see if that signing happens. Uh, he talked about bullpens, how they tend to change, which I thought was a pretty fascinating answer, how your opening day bullpen is going to be different in July and certainly different when you get to August. Speaks to a guy that's built a lot of good bullpens, who I think is pretty comfortable having a bullpen in flux. Obviously, you want the Mets to add at least a couple of just dependable MLB relievers on, obviously, MLB contracts, not just minor league signings and um, you know all these other pickups that they're finding right now kind of off the scrap heap. Oh, this guy's a good slider, but his career is over six. You want you know some more proven guys than that, but I still do trust Stern's ability to build out a good bullpen. Talked about being optimistic for 2024, that they're really excited about being able to put a team together that um, can be competitive and can compete for a playoff spot and feels the Mets you know, can do that. So oh, good to hear that the Mets are going for it. They're not going to be maybe going for World Series or bust, but they're going to be exploring all avenues to get better. Um, what else did he mention here? The outfielder uh, that he wants to add. Asked about whether the Mets are looking for an outfielder, said, you know, Variety of different paths they can take. They can look at a more defensive-minded outfielder, which is what all the reporting has been so far. The Mets are 
more interested in you know Jung Hoo Lee, uh, who we talked about a lot on yesterday's show. Um, you know, Michael A. Taylor, I also spent some time on yesterday's show on him. Kind of a high-end fourth outfitter, but one that you know hit 21 home runs this year, could provide really good defense, some speed on the base pass. Would be a nice fit. Kevin Kiermeyer was even a rumored target of the Mets today. So it feels like they're looking at defense more than, say, Teoscar Hernandez or Jorge Soler and putting those guys in the outfield, but you never really know. Now, he also mentioned that they're exploring their options for that outfielder both through free agency and trade, which is interesting because you have Randy Rosarena for the Rays that is on the market, and he did mention if they're going to make a trade, the Mets don't want to trade for just one year of control. And Randy Rosarena has three years of control, if I'm not mistaken. So if they are going to push their chips to the center to acquire somebody, it's more likely it's a Rosarena than Soto because you get multiple years of control to try to you know win with that guy. And potentially, you know, th- those are also guys you can extend because there are years of control that you can work with to get a deal done. So maybe look out for that. Also, you have the Cardinals who are shopping outfielders. If you're in on a Kevin Kiermeyer or Michael A. Taylor, why wouldn't you put a call in for Dylan Carlson, who's a guy that could play great defense out in center field, is you know coming off, you know, I think it, it definitely had a down year. I think it might even be a down couple of years. I believe he was good in 2021, regardless, former top prospect that could bounce back somewhere else, probably needs to change the scenery. That's a potential name I would just think about. Going further, um, you know, when asked about third base, this was, I think, the most interesting of his answers because when asked about DH, he was pretty open. You know, we might, we'll see what else happens. When asked about an outfielder, he said, yeah, we're looking for an outfielder to take a significant amount of playing time, but was not in the boat of saying, hey, they definitely need one. Also wasn't saying uh, that they were good. I mean, he could have said, we like what we have, but we're going to be looking. He sort of, you know, left it out there that they're going to try to add someone in that spot. But when asked if he's comfortable with the in-house options at third base, David Stearns flatly said, I am. I am comfortable with our internal guys. So that leads me to our final segment today. The Mets aren't adding another third baseman. They added Joey Wendell, but don't expect Joey Wendell to be the starting third baseman on this team. He's going to be the utility infielder off the bench. So. Who's the starting third baseman going to be? I want to speak on that a little bit more. You know, kind of go through the rest of Stern's comments as it relates to that third base position and why the Mets aren't going to be in the market to maybe add, you know, Jimer Candelario or Matt Chapman or Justin Turner. And instead, they're going to stay in house with Brett Beatty, Ryan Mauricio, and Mark Fientos. So I, I think that's really important to hear. And it's going to be up to those guys to make the most of that opportunity. So we'll speak to all of that in just a minute. Before we do, though, another word from our sponsors. Locked On has launched the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube covering the latest in the sports world. And that's Locked On Sports Today with stories covered from local experts on each team, as well as our league-wide experts covering everything going on in each sport. You can find Locked On Sports today on YouTube streaming. Whenever you try to find it, it is a 24-7 channel. Now, let's get back to third base. 
David Stern says he doesn't have anyone in mind to start on opening day and said by opening day, there might not even be anybody that has the job. But he believes that it's important as an organization to learn about our young players and give them an opportunity to compete at the big league level. So you know, it, it, he's basically saying, hey, we got three options at third base. We got Brett Beatty, former top prospect. We got Ronnie Mauricio, still a top prospect technically. And we got Mark Vientos, another former top prospect. When asked flatly about you know Vientos in that uh, same conversation, he says, is Mark Vientos part of the conversation at third base? He said yes. So they have their option. All those guys are probably working to improve the defense this offseason. That's very important to the Mets. And we'll see who hits. You know, he he mentioned, you know, he wants to stay cognizant that they don't freeze these guys out. Um, we have to learn about them, he says. Because these are guys that could be cost-controlled starters for years. You have to figure out what you have. And as much as he can say it's an open competition, to me it's not. I, well, okay. Let me let me retract that. Yes, it's an open competition, but there's a front run in that competition. There is one player that I think the Mets would want to grab that job more than any other, and it's Brett Beatty. Because Brett Beatty has the best chance of those three of being an all-around player. In my eyes, that's pretty clear. You know what Ryan Reese is doing right now? He's kicking the ball around in the Dominican Winter League. Not playing a good third base. And as much as people want to say former shortstop, you look at the athleticism, you look at the eye test. I don't know how good he's going to be at third base. And there's a chance, there's a better chance that Ryan Mauricio can play third base than Mark Vientos. But I don't know. And as much as you want to hate Brett Beatty because you watched him suck for an entire year, and I get it. He was awful this season. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. At every stop of their minor league careers, Brett Beatty was the better player. Every stop. And this year you could say, oh, yeah, Ronnie Mauricio was the better player. And he was because Brett Beatty was that bad. But let me pull up Ronnie Mauricio's stats one more time because I think we get blown away by the flashes we saw. Because, yes, he stole seven bases. Awesome. Awesome. He hit a couple of home runs with really high exit velocities. Great to see. He still got on base at a 296 clip. He still only slugged at a 347 clip. His OPS was 643, and I believe Beatty's was not even that far off from it. Um, I think it was like 30-something points. Let me check this. Okay, he was at 598, so 45-point difference between the two of them. And Beatty got way more time, and that's why his numbers were so bad. But I still am a Brett Beatty believer, and I think Roddy Mauricio – you know, if he could ever figure out how to play the outfield and be a super utility guy, I think he could have a ton of value as sort of the 10th starter on your team. The guy that's on your bench that when Brett Beatty, if he has established himself as a starting third baseman, he pulls a hammy and is out for a month, Ronnie Mauricio slides in there. Or when Francisco Lindor needs a blow, Ronnie Mauricio starts. Or Jeff McNeil at second base. Or if we're thinking way into the future and it's Jet Williams or Luis and Helicuna at second base, and Mauricio is the guy that goes there or in the outfield. I think that's the ultimate role for Ronnie Mauricio, and I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he is awesome. And, you know, both him and Beatty find a way in the starting lineup, and they're great. But 
If I had to put my money on who's the opening day third baseman who's going to grab that job, I'm not betting against Brett Beatty no matter how bad he looked this season. I'll also say on top of that, Mark Vientos is an interesting player. And the fact that he said, we don't want to freeze our young players out, I also think that that has a little bit to do with what they're going to end up going with at DH. We'll see how they build out this roster. Obviously, it depends on how well they hit in free agency when it comes to the starting pitching market to maybe see how aggressive they are building out the rest of the team. Let's say you sign Jung-Hoo Lee. So your outfield is addressed with a starting caliber player. Do I think the Mets add a DH? No. Because I think in that scenario, you go into the season, and all right, Jung-Hoo Lee, Brandon Nemo, they're starting outfielders that we trust are going to be healthy. Stalin Marte, we have no idea. DJ Stewart. Also, you don't really entirely know what this held because that's been a question for him. But between those two guys, you can probably get one starting outfielder, maybe a DH. You have Mark Vantos to compete for DH at bats. I, I think you then get to the point where you're not trying to block the young players on your team. And so you're not going to add a J.D. Martinez, so to speak. Let's say you don't get Lee. He signs with another team. And you end up with Michael A. Taylor. All right, he might not be a starting level player. He could probably still play and, and start over 120 games. Wouldn't shock me at all. But he's not maybe your opening day starting right fielder or left fielder. Who knows? In that scenario where your outfield doesn't necessarily have the clear cut starters, maybe then you want to make sure that you get a little bit more of a bat at the DH spot or you want to get maybe two outfielders. Maybe then you're in the mix for Adam Duvall to be your DH and another outfielder. Who knows? What I think is clear from David Stern's comments is the Mets are looking to aggressively add in their rotation, to be very opportunistic in all avenues to improve their bullpen. They're not touching third base. And DH and outfield, both are open for discussion. But more likely, you're going to get an outfielder that can play a lot of you know really good defense out there. And DH is you know going to be kind of be a wait and see what the market has in store for you. But a lot can still take place over the winter meetings and the rest of the offseason. And we're just along for the ride, waiting to see when the news is going to come. Just give us something. I'd be thrilled with Eric Fetty at this point. That's how disappointing the first day of the winter meetings was. We'll be breaking down. All of the latest throughout this week. So make sure you are following where we get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Trying to make a push to 10,000 subs. So appreciate all of you with that subscribe button. And if you don't want to miss out on any of the latest news with the Mets, come on Locked On Mets Insider. You can find the link in the episode description. Go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. And now that you're done with the show, check out Locked On Sports today for your 24-7 coverage of everything going on in the sports world.